Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, well, good morning, church. It is so good to have you here with us, both in the room and those of you that are online. We're so glad that you're tuning in as well. Isn't it a good day to be in church? I mean, we, you could be anywhere. You could be in your, in your bed, in your warm bed, but, but you're here. And uh, I am I'm so grateful, as Pastor Philip said this morning to the team before service, he said, you know, as he drove in, it was just a great reminder, the white snow is the, the fact that, that our, our sins have been covered, and that there's that whiteness that, that, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's something to give God some praise about. I think that, that today, uh, there's, there's going to be some things that happen, as we've already seen and experienced, God is going to move. He has been moving, and he's going to move. I know this about God. I know that he always, he always has something to say. And uh, it's always a matter for us whether or not we're postured to receive what it is that, that he wants to speak to us. And so my name is Jonathan. I, I serve as the executive pastor. It's a, it's a real honor. It's always a privilege to be able to speak. I do want to honor our senior pastors. They're, they're here in the front row. Let's give them a great, great round of applause. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty special people to me and I know to many. Uh, they're celebrating 40 years of ministry this year, which I think is a, a pretty, pretty amazing thing. And uh, just really, really grateful for you. And uh, I do want to mention the men's breakfast that's happening this coming Saturday, the 28th. Men in the house, I want to charge you to be there. Uh, it's 8.30 in the morning. It's really not that early. And uh, unless you have a prior commitment that's like a big commitment, not like a weak commitment. How many of you know sometimes we have weak commitments like, oh, you know, like I was thinking I was going to maybe like lay out the, my lawn program for the, for the spring fertilizer. Might be some supply issues. So, no, if you've got a weak commitment, just erase that thing. Get signed up for the, for the men's breakfast. Breakfast at 8.30 is $5. You can't beat that. There's going to be a great breakfast. We're going to get a word. We're going to be able to fellowship together. Maybe, maybe you make a new friend. Maybe you build off a friendship or relationship that's already begun. And uh, I just want to see you there. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, man, we'll work on that. But, uh, but uh, hey, again, if you're a guest, we're really, really honored that you would join us this morning. We're going to jump right into some scripture. I'm going to read two, two sets of scripture, and then we're going to walk through some more scripture this morning, but I do believe that, that God wants to speak to us, and so we're just going to posture ourselves in that position. James, let's go to James. If you've got your Bible, you can, you can scroll there, you can flip there, you can watch the screen or follow along there. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. It could also say consider it pure joy, Rock of KC, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This James' letter to the church in that day is the, the letter to us today. Proverbs 17, verse 3, the writer says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord, a few people past third grade. You can read, test the heart. The Lord tests the heart. The late pastor, Bible teacher Warren Wearsby said this. He said, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. Oh, that's, that's hard. I know that many people, uh, when you probably put your thoughts and dreams and goals for 2023, one of the, the top 100 words that you had, testing was probably not in there. 
If we're really honest, we, we don't, many of us, we don't enjoy testing, we don't enjoy trials, and yet as people of faith, we can see in Scripture that, that tests will come, trials will come. And, and today, I just want to speak for the next few moments from, from this topic. It's only a test. It's only a test. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, first and foremost, for your presence in this place. Without your presence, we're, we're here just as a, as a group of people, but with your presence, now, now something supernatural can happen. And so today, God, we open, as we open your word, we open our hearts, God, to, to, to receive all that you want to, de de to deposit and download into us. God, open our eyes, open our ears, show us, speak to us. May we hear what it is that you have, God. I pray that this message today, as it goes forth, that the seed that is sown would fall upon fertile soil and that much much fruit would be born. And I pray that, Father God, we get a greater glimpse, a greater reality of your son Jesus today. I thank you that we're going to leave better today, Father God, because, because you're here and because you have encountered us. And so we're going to be, able to, be, uh, to be able to be shaped and molded and look more like your son Jesus today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know the answer, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. How many of you, you've experienced a test? You've experienced a, a trial in your life? The reality is, is that every hand should go up. And uh, if you're a human today, you've experienced testing. You've, you've experienced trials in your life. Maybe some, some big ones, maybe, maybe some small ones, maybe something in between. Many of you had a test last night to decide whether or not you were going to come to church or you were going to stay home and watch a sport game. And there's no judgment. I mean, we did last night. It was a little bit lighter. Let's be honest. Some people rented out entire rows for their family. Um, but, but we were still here, and, and God still showed up. And, and, of course, the Chiefs won, so, you know, good on them. But, hey, that's not what this is about today. Um, we've all experienced and will experience tests and trials in life. It's part of the reality of life. The, the truth is, is, is what are we going to do when they come? Big, small, somewhere in between is, is a part of the reality of life. Oftentimes they come as a surprise. And depending upon how we're wired, some of us might just decide we're just going to grin and bear it and, and just hope that it's going to be quick, right? Uh, but what happens when it's not? What happens when the trial or the test that we're facing is not just a, a day long, but it's a, actually a week long? Sometimes it turns into a month long and, and maybe even longer, just holding on and, and writing out doesn't make sense. Today, as, as people of faith, I'm proposing, as we see in Scripture, both in, in Proverbs and in James, if we, all we hope to gain is mere survival, to simply endure through the end, then we might just waste the test and we might just miss out on what God wants to do both in us and through us. I think about some of the, the various tests that, that I might face, that you might face on, on, a, uh, on any given day. Different tests, de uh, tests of character. A test of character of, of, am I gonna continue to do the right thing? Am I gonna continue to do what I, I know to be the right thing even when no one's watching? The, the test of, of generosity, am, am I going to be a person who not just talks about generosity, not just puts it as a value of our church, but am I going to actively seek out ways to be generous with my life and not only act, actively seek out, but then do it, to, to walk it out? How, how many of you know that there's, there's, a, there's some dangerous prayers that you can pray? Like, like, like at times, it's like, God, I just, God, I just want some humility. 
God's like, oh, I got some, I got some stuff for that. God, I just want some patience. God's like, let me give you some kids. I'm walking through this one myself right now, the test of patience. Uh, some of you know, I've got two amazing kids. I've got a, a 10-year-old son named Miles, and I've got a 7-year-old daughter named Emerson Rose, and she, she has my heart. And I mean, I love both of them, but they're both different and unique in their own ways. And my son, he's, you know, he plays sports, and uh, he didn't have much of a choice. Thankfully, he enjoys it. And so I've, I've had the fortunate privilege of coaching him in basketball a little bit, and, and he plays soccer and these different things. And, and uh, then my daughter, she's, she's a different one. She, she's just, I mean, she's determined, and, and uh, you know, she just, she, again, I love her to death. But at the end of the summer, she came up to me, and she goes, Dad, I'm playing basketball this winter. And I, I don't know about you, I'm going to be really, really careful uh, right now, because I, I really don't want to dig myself into a hole. It might happen, um, but, but just go with me. The, the reality is, is that I love basketball. Some of you know this. I, I really enjoy playing basketball. I love watching basketball. Um, but there's, there's sometimes a difference between boys' basketball and girls' basketball. Now, I know we have some, some girl hoopers in the room, but, but at seven, it's different. <laughs> and so my daughter, she comes to me and she says, Dad, I'm playing basketball. And, and I think, okay, maybe it's his flavor of the week. Maybe we'll, this thing will wear off and, and we can just kind of, you know, hey, you're in dance. Let's just keep that. That's, I like that. We, you know, do, do that for now. And, and, and then the next week comes and she comes back to me and she says, hey, Dad, have you signed me up for basketball? I'm like, oh, you're, you're kind of committed to this thing now. What she said next, I wasn't ready for. Um, she said, Dad, I need you to get signed up. And oh, yeah, you're coaching. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've seen that Tom uh, Hanks movie where the guy looks at him and goes, I'm the captain now. Have you seen that movie? I, I can't remember the name of it. But, but that is kind of how my daughter looked at me when she said, you're the coach. <laughs> Can I tell you that we're two weeks in, and uh, I, I am, in fact, the coach, and, and I have 10 six- and seven-year-old highly emotional girls <laughs> that I have the privilege and pure joy of coaching. Last week after the game, my wife came up to me. She goes, babe, I'm so proud of you. I said, for what? For not, like, cussing? Like, what? I don't know, you know? <laughs> she goes, I, no, I, I just, I didn't know that was in you. And, of course, I, like, just was like, I don't even know how to receive that. But how, how many of you know the test of patience can be real? So many times in life we're given opportunities. That's how God works. He wants to grow something in us. He wants to do something through us. He's going to give us an opportunity for that thing to be worked out of us or into us in some cases. We see throughout the Bible tests that arise time and time again. Everybody from Abraham and Isaac to Job to, to even our Lord and Savior himself being tested. God is always testing. And, and today I want to propose that we need to reframe how we see this testing. I heard a, a, a pastor not too long ago, and, and she just gave this great analogy that, you know, the reality is, is that testing, a lot of times we view testing as punishment, right? Sometimes we're like, God, why? Why me? Why, uh, why, why now? What, what's this? And, and sometimes I think it's funny because God's looking at us like, listen, this is actually not me testing you. You just made some dumb decisions. But there are times when God will test us. But, but we can't look at, at testing as, as, a, as a, a punishment, but 
as a promotion. Think about this. Think about no, no one takes a, a driver's test to, to be punished. No, they take a, a driver's test to be promoted. No, no, no one takes, a doctor doesn't take a medical test to be, to be punished. No, they take it to be promoted. And I think if we reframe how we look at testing, how we look at trials, all of a sudden it can change everything. I want to look at this story in John chapter 6. Many of you might be familiar with it, but I want to, I hope you can bring fresh eyes to this story as we unpack this story. One that, that Jesus is, is uh, he's, he feeds this multitude of people. It's actually the only story outside the resurrection that we find in all four of the Gospels. So today I want you to hear that, that God will never tempt you, but he will test you. Today I want to help us navigate what to do when testing and trials come in life, because they will come in life. And I believe that today God wants to make our faith strong. Again, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And God wants to make our faith strong. Amen? Let's, let's jump right in here. John chapter 6, I'm going to read the first seven verses, and then we're going to just walk through this. It says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The, the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, hey, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to what? Test him. For he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip then answers, hey, Jesus, listen, it's going to take more than half a year's wages. No chance. The nearest Costco is 100 miles away. No chance we're getting there. There's no way we have enough to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Oh, the first point I want to make today is an unsolvable problem. An unsolvable problem. Jesus is, is here with his disciples, and, and uh, all of a sudden, they're on this mountainside, they're on this hill, and all of a sudden, 20,000 people are coming up on him. It says 5,000 in the text because they weren't counting the women and children, but I'm giving the women and children some credit here, and there were close to 20,000 people there. And it's Passover time, so they're not just any ordinary people. They're, they're actually a little hangry. Anybody ever been hangry? Just me? Okay. Uh, great. Um, pray for me. Pray for my wife. She says, I'm, I, when I get hangry, it's kind of like, you know, I, I got a one-track mind. But, but, but here's the deal. You got 20,000 people that are coming, and, and of course, they're, they're coming for Jesus, but they're also, they're hungry. And, and Jesus, as only Jesus can do, I, I think I, I love reading, you know, just being able to see some of the, the personality, because Jesus, it's like he looks over at Andrew, and he's probably thinking, well, uh, watch this. Hey, Andrew, where, where are we going to get the food for these people? Andrew's the local. He's the one that's, that, that's actually the, 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 uh, the local to that, to that region, to that area. So Jesus probably asked him that because maybe he knows the lay of the land. And, and, and of course, Andrew, he's, or Philip, he's just like, uh, no, this is, this is uh, there's no way we can do this. But what, Jesus, he had a solution. Why? Because Jesus always has a solution. He, he doesn't ask us questions because he needs the answer. He, he is the answer. But he invites us in. And so here we are. Jesus knows this. He, he sees the people. He understands what must be done. And so he, he asks he ask Philip, and, and, and of course Philip doesn't. He, he says, well, I need, a, I need a half a year's wages for this. And, and so we continue on. <clears throat> Jesus, we see this unlikely, we see this 
excuse me, unsolvable problem. The greatest miracles usually follow some of the most bewildering behavior. How many of you know that? Sometimes in life, some of the craziest things happen, and we're like, what is going on? Why, God, what is, what is, what is, like, what is happening here? It's often at times of some interesting behavior that God begins to do his greatest work. And, and I think you and I, we have to, we have to, to lean into this. And I, I, feel like, I feel like Jesus, he was just looking over at Philip when, when no one else was. He's like, hey, Philip, this is only a test. Hey, it's just a test. Just watch what I'm about to do. I, and I think the, the Lord wants to, to whisper some of, to, to some of you today, hey, listen, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through right now, hey, it's only a test. We're, we're going to get through this. An unsolvable problem. Number two, uh, an unsolvable problem often leads to a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion. It, Jesus and his disciples, they were actually, at this particular time and moment, they were, they were actually kind of almost on like a, a ministry retreat because they'd all been ministering. They'd all been going to different areas and doing different things. And so, so what happened was Jesus took the 12 and they were just kind of off on the mountainside, on the, on the hilltop. But then all of a sudden in the middle of, of their, their getaway, all these people showed up. And what do the disciples do? Well, the disciples do what a lot of us want to do when we're on a, a getaway or a retreat or a vacation. We don't want to be bothered. We're just trying to relax. We're just trying to re-energize. And so that's exactly what the disciples do. They say, let's just get them out of here. Let's just like send them off to the next village. But no, Jesus, I love in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, he says that, it says that Jesus was marked with compassion for the people. How many of you know everything that Jesus did, every time he moved, every time a miracle happened, it was from this deep place of passion and compassion for people? How many of us need that heart of compassion? Sometimes in life, we, we, we are inconvenienced with people. Sometimes in life, the, the, the things that get thrown at us are like at the, the most inconvenient of times, and all we want to do is just be like, Heisman, like, get, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, get away from me. But God is wanting us to to soften our heart towards the things and the people that he brings into our life and into our world. 20,000 people approaching him. Disciples are trying to get them away. God says no. Sometimes, most often in life, the best thing God wants to do in us and through us will usually come in the form of an interruption. How many times have tests in life sprung up on you in the most inconvenient of times? How many times have you been in a situation where you're just like, God, get me out of here. I I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to to walk through this. You know, the reality is, is that sometimes we have to reframe our perspective. Maybe, just maybe, that that diagnosis that you received, as, as bad as it was, maybe, just maybe, as you're making those hospital visits, maybe, just maybe, there's a nurse or a doctor that needs to be ministered to. Maybe, just maybe, there's, a, there's somebody in that hospital that needs to see somebody that still has some faith holding on, believing that God is going to heal their body, that believing that God is going to do what only God can do. Maybe just maybe that relenting neighbor, that that neighbor that you're praying, God would just supernaturally put a for sale sign in their front yard. Maybe just maybe God wants to use you to love and minister to them. Who in your life is God? He's tapping you on the shoulder right now. He's saying, hey, listen, that person you're trying to get rid of, that that crazy neighbor, that that family member that's always just on your nerves, God wants you to, to minister to them. He wants, you to, he, wants to, he wants to do something in you. He wants, to, he wants to show himself off through you. 
We gotta step into it, we gotta lean into it, we gotta embrace it. We need to develop a heart of compassion for people. We continue to move on through this story. We look at the next point. Number three, an unlikely solution. Verse eight and nine of our text says this. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and, and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I love this. Andrew, we see Andrew at various points in the text, in, in the New Testament. And every time Andrew is mentioned, Andrew is bringing someone to Jesus. You ever have those people, those friends that, that you invite them to something and they're always bringing people? It's like, well, we, we only made a reservation for this, but all right, we'll make it do. Andrew's always bringing people to Jesus. I think we should be more like that. We should always be just bringing people, maybe bringing people to church, maybe br bringing people to small group, bringing people to any time the church gathers. Let's just bring people. I, I love that heart that Andrew has. And so Andrew comes and Andrew's like, Jesus, I found a kid. And he's got a Lunchable. He's got five Five barley loaves, which is like the, 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 the poorest kind of bread in that day. And he's got two fish. And Jesus is like, two fish? Awesome. Are they, are they big fish? No, they're two small fish. But hey, it's still two fish. And, and Jesus is like, oh, okay. I can work with that. I can work with that. How many of you know sometimes in life all we're doing, we're constantly looking all around us and, and kind of like, ah, I wish I had that. Ooh, that would be nice to have. Oh, if, if, if I just had those resources, I could do this. And God's saying to you, hold on, what's in your hand? What do I have in your hand? What is the seed that's in your hand? Because how many of you know a seed in the hands of the Father it's going to, to bear much fruit. And God wants to, to ask us today, what's in your hand? What is, what is the thing that I put in your hand? It's the seed for the miraculous. I love that, that this is, is where Jesus is at because if you know the story at all, you know that, that these 20,000 people, they're gonna, they're gonna be fed. They're going to be fed. But Jesus, I love also that Jesus sees not just what they want, he sees what they need. Because Jesus, it, it, it's, it says that he, he brought not just food for their, their stomach, but food for their soul. I love that, that a seed never looks like the harvest it contains. I don't know about you, I'm not much of a farmer or a gardener, but I know that those little seeds, those little seeds when they're planted in the ground and when the water, when the sun comes and the process and the maturation happens, all of a sudden they produce fruit. I'm not trying to eat the seed, but I want the fruit. We gotta remember that, that something, sometimes the, the smallest, what does God say when you're faithful with little? He'll, he'll give you much. Are you faithful with the seed? Are you faithful with the thing, the talent, the, the skill set, the, the idea? Are you faithful with that? We must sow the, the seed. We, we can't despise the smallness of our resources. We sow the seed and then we, we do what we can, but we ultimately let God grow it. Jesus is saying to you and I, give me what's in your hand and I will unlock what's in your heart. We move through the story. Verse 10 and 11, number four, verse 10 and 11, it says this, Jesus said, have the people sit down. This may take a while. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men again were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Number four, 
is a grateful petition. A grateful petition. Jesus prays over the bread and the fish before they were multiplied. Before. So he's got, he's got just the fish and he's got just the bread and he's praying over it and giving thanks before the miracle happens. How many of you know that's not just faith, but that's a place of gratitude, thanking, thanking God, thanking his father. Hey, thank you for this. How many of us would, would, would be able to just re-posture our heart and our spirit if we could, instead of just continually looking around us, all of a sudden go inward and say, okay, God, you know what? I know I don't have all of that, but what I do have, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. I may not be grateful for this test. I may not be grateful for this season that I'm in. I may not be grateful for these, these different things that I'm having to encounter and go through, but I'm grateful for what I do have because the thing that I do have is I have you, and you have promised to never leave me nor forsake me, and you have promised to see me through the end. I can be grateful for that. I may not be grateful for the diagnosis. I may not be grateful for the fact that I still don't have the thing that I'm so, so desiring and the promise that you've placed in front of me, but I still have you. He's holding not enough, and yet he's thanking God for it. Can we, in an impossible situation, be reminded, you know what, it's only a test. I'm so thankful, God, you're with me. Even, even when it seems like you don't have enough, what do you have? I love in 1 Thessalonians, it says, be thankful, what, in, in every circumstance. I, I'm not that smart, but I think every means every. I think it means every circumstance you and I find ourselves in, we should be thankful. Not, not, it doesn't say be thankful for every circumstance. It says be thankful in every circumstance. Here's the reality, things change when you take on an attitude of gratitude. When you take on this, this attitude of being grateful, all of a sudden your posture changes, your eyesight changes. Because instead of constantly looking at all the things that aren't going right or aren't, aren't, aren't going, going well, and there's time for that, but, but you're starting to look for, okay, no, but hey, this is going well. I'm going to hold on to this. this you know what, over here, I, I, I didn't see it, but now I see it. This, this thing, God, you're, you're still working in this thing. Amen. He, he didn't just bless the bread, he also broke it. And this one's a, this one's a, a hard one, but, but it's a reality. God always blesses what he allows to be broken. And, and I know that there's some, some broken people in this community. I've sat with you, I've talked with you, our, our pastoral team. I know there's some people that are, that are walking through some really hard seasons of life. There, there's, there, there's probably a handful right now of people I know that, that, are, that are so desperately desiring to, 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 to be pregnant and to have a baby. There's, there's relationships that, that are on just the fritz that are barely hanging by a thread. There's people that have experienced great loss. I know the reality of this. But can I tell you today, God is with you. And what he allows to be broken, he also blesses. We see it in Matthew 5. We see it in Matthew 5. Blessed are what? The poor in spirit. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those. He continues to say over and over again, so, so many of the things that you and I have walked through, so many of the things that you and I have experienced. There's areas in our lives that need to be strengthened, that need to be purified. If you're in the middle of a test and you feel broken today, it's only a test. It's only a test, and, 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 and I, just, I charge you, I encourage you to, to remain grateful. Remain grateful for, for the things that, that, that you do have, and I know it's, it's, I'm not just being pat. I don't, I don't want that to just be some cliche because I know and I understand that there, there's real brokenness, but I want you to hear today God's with you. 
He's with you through it. He's, he is with you through it. He has promised to never leave, never forsake. Amen. We continue on in the text, and, and verse 12 says this. Verse 12 says, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. The next thing we see in this text is that there was an all-you-can-eat celebration. How many of you like an all-you-can-eat celebration? I'm not really built for a buffet, but, but like I still enjoy it from time to time, right? All-you-can-eat celebration. I love this. It says the scripture says they walked away with full stomachs. I was actually just this past week uh, at a place. I was with some pastors. Pastor Philip and I were some pastors. And they took us to this, they took us out for dinner and they took us to the, one of these places where you, it's, it's kind of like choose your own adventure, right? Where essentially you get to decide, you get to decide how like miserable you're going to be at the end of the meal. It's like this meat factory where your whole life is determined for that moment by a coaster because it's, it's red on one side and green on the other. And so essentially, if that bad boy's turned over to green, you better be ready to eat because they just keep coming at you. I mean, they just, everything is like, it's like double, double wrap bacon, bacon. Like it's like, well, I don't even, I didn't even know that was a possibility. And, they were able to make it taste pretty good. And I mean, and, and yet if you just turn that thing over to red, all of a sudden it's like you got the plague. They're not even looking at you. They're not even coming towards you. And, and it made me think about the reality that for each one of us, God has so much for us. Like he really does. I, I hope you believe that. I know some of you, depending upon your tradition, you're like, yeah, I know God's great and good. But no, God has so much for each one of us. The reality is, is how much do we receive what he has for us? Because, you know, it really, we do have a part to play. We do have a part to play, and how much do we want to receive of what God has to offer? And I wonder sometimes, how, how subconsciously do, sometimes we, we turn that thing over to red, like, God, I'm good. I'm good, you've given me too much, I'm, you, I, it's, it, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm just, no. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't ever wanna fall into that place. I think about the word of God, I think about you, you can have as much or as little of the word of God as you want. It's up to you. Your, your prayer life, you can have as much or as little of, of your prayer life as you want. I think about church, I think about outside of, of last year, I mean, we had a couple weekends off in person, but normally 52 weekends a year, you can have as much or as little of that as you want. It's, it's your choice. We have a part to play in this, but, but God, he, it's like God's like, hey, I got all you can eat. This is all, this is all yours, and it just continues to keep coming. I love that, that Jesus, he, he, we're gonna see it in a moment. There's a, there's a reason why it was such a big deal that not only did he feed their stomachs, but he fed their souls. But I just want you to hear today, God has made so much available for you. It's up to you to decide you can have as much or as little as you want. And then finally, number six, there was an excess of provision. Verse 13, our final verse this morning. It says this, it says, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. <laughs> that little Lunchable turned into a feast for 20,000 people, and not only a feast for them, but there was leftovers. There was an excess of 
provision. I love that Jesus performed this miracle in front of all these people, in front of his own disciples, and then there were 12 basketfuls, which the imagery there is that there was a basketful for each disciple. Because how many of you know sometimes even, even the disciples were a little bit like they saw all these miracles and yet they still had questions and doubts. Why? Because, well, sometimes we have questions and doubts and we're, we're thick-headed and we just need to continue to, to, to see and, and be reminded. I, I find myself in situations where I love when, when new revelation comes, but more often than that in the Christian life, so much of, of the Christian life is just to be reminded of, of just God's goodness. And the fact that he's continued to do what, what he said he's going to do and he continues to remain faithful time and time again, even when we're faithless. I love this because Jesus, he, he performs this great miracle. And up to this point, all these folks that, that were there, they would have, have been trained or educated that Moses was the guy because Moses, he called down the manna from heaven. But here's the deal. The manna was only good for one day. Jesus is saying, listen, this bread that I have, this bread of life, it's good for all time, and there's actually going to be leftovers, and you can actually eat the leftovers if you want. This is who our, our Lord, this is who our Savior Jesus is. He, he doesn't just bring food for our stomach. He brings food for our soul. There's always an excess of provision. I, I found this, this kind of acronym from this, this pastor, and I loved it. It was just the, this acronym of test, and it kind of, I, I want to walk you through it. The, that, that T, that first T says it's, you're, you're training for something great. If we reposture our, our mindset and our perspective, we're, we're training for something great. We have to be able to, to posture ourselves that way. Otherwise, we're just going to look at tests and trials. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to try to do everything I can to get through it. No, God, God has a grace for you in the season that you're in. You're training for something great. It's for promotion. Number two, the this, this second one is, at first I saw, I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about it, but, but then I, I kind of looked up this word. God, God is eccentric. God is not erratic. Eccentric means that he deviates from the customary. How many of you know that, that all of us at times, we can have our own plans and our own ideas and we can have our own timeline and we can think, oh, I've got this all worked out and God upstairs, he just kind of laughs and goes, okay, that's really cool. That's a nice little diagram. And then he just takes his hand and says, hold up, this is what I'm going to do. It can, it can feel eccentric. It can feel like, ah, I, don't, I don't totally get, oh, oh, wait, but your ways are higher than my ways. Sorry, oh, sorry God. Wait, wait, oh, you're, you're deviating from the customer. You're deviating from what I, what I would have done. Yeah, that's, that's what I do. I'm God. That S, that S is so important. That S is, is so, so important. God is sovereign. God is sovereign, which, which, which means what? It means that, that he's in control, that it means he always has a plan. It means that he knows what he's going to do. He's not ever thrown off. He's not, like we've said a hundred times, he, he wasn't thrown off by 2020. He's not going to be thrown off by the next thing. He's not going to be, he's never thrown off. He's sovereign. He knows. He's in control. And sometimes the best thing we can do is rest in that. Rest in the fact that God is in control may not look like we want to, uh, it, it may not feel like we want it to feel, but God is in control, and I'm, I'm going to rest in that. And as our senior pastor said last week, maybe sometimes we just need to wait and let God do what only God can do. And then finally, that final T is that, <clears throat> is he up there? Yeah. He has a proven track record. He has a proven track record. He's faithful. He, if, you, if you look back at your life and, and you see, how many of you know in the, in the middle of a storm is the worst time to make a major decision? Right? 
Like, like when you're in the middle of something, like probably don't make a decision then. Just, just keep trusting God. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get through the storm, you get through the trial, and you realize, oh, wow, that, yeah, that was, that was awful. <laughs> and yet God, if we will lean in, if we will understand that it's only a test, that God wants to do something in us and through us. He wants to produce something. He wants to to produce some endurance. He wants to produce some strength. Because why? Because there's going to be another test. And and there's going to be another trial. And God wants us to have that that faith muscle. He wants us to be able to to continue to go forward in all that he's called us to do. And the only way that we do that is we we endure the test. We embrace it for what it is. We, We understand that it's not for punishment, but it's for promotion. It's only a test. Remember, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Amen? Would you stand with me as we, as we close today with, with eyes closed and, and, and heads bowed? I just want to take a moment for, for maybe you're in this room, maybe you're online today, and you are, uh, you're saying, hey, I, I've, been, I've been trying to do all of these things on my own. I've, I've, all the tests and trials you've been facing, I, I actually have been going through those, but I just haven't been doing it with God. Today, I want to invite you today, if you're here, maybe you want to rededicate your life, or maybe for the first time, you're making a decision to, to say yes to Jesus. I promise you, friends, this is the greatest, the greatest question that you'll ever answer. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? I'd love nothing more than to pray with you. If maybe you're here today, again, that's your, that's your decision that you're making. I'm saying yes to Jesus. If you're online want to pray with you as well. Today, maybe in your own way, if you feel the need just to, as an act of, of faith and as a sign, you can put your hand up. But I'm believing that there's people both in this room and online today that, that are saying yes to Jesus. And I'd love to pray with you. You can follow along. You can pray this in your own way. But dear Jesus, today's the day I give you my life, all that I am, every aspect of me, it's yours. I thank you for loving me I thank you for saving me. Today I call on you as Lord and as Savior. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some praise for for those who made that, maybe made that decision for the first time or if you're online, we're so, so grateful for you. Today God wants to remind you it's only a test. It's only a test. Wherever you are, it's only a test. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much again for your goodness. I thank you that you are the one who constantly brings clarity in the chaos of life. You are the one who's promised to never leave nor forsake. And so today we rest in that. We thank you. I do pray today, God, for those that are broken in this room. God, would you come as only you can, God, like a a healing anointing oil. May it flow from the top of their head to the tips of their toes. Those broken areas in their life, God, begin to restore them. Begin to mend them, God. I pray that you bring the right voices and the right people into their life and their world to walk alongside them, to speak life, to speak hope, to inject the things of God into them. I thank you in advance for how you're working and what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's worship.